Okay. So after part one and part two of reconstruction versus deconstruction, actually that was part one. And then I titled deconstruction versus reconstruction part two. So I wasn't paying attention when I was typing titles in, but it was the part two of the first podcast, obviously dealing with that idea of, okay, we're, we're now living in this almost a me too movement in terms of church hurt and how people are responding to that. And people in their twenties, thirties, and early forties, seems like those three, and there may, and there may be some other generations too, but it seems like there's a influx in individuals who are now saying I'm out based on how I was hurt by fill in the blank church. And so as I addressed, it's probably almost, I don't know, an hour of discussing, I, I not, I don't know if in depth is the word, but discussing like, here's my experience. And then I feel like I said, Hey, rather than just taking it apart. Yeah. I think there, there's a lot that needs to be taken apart because there's a lot that's broken in the way that the church is working inside. Like the American church is not functioning at the level that it should be. Like, why are we where we are today as a society? Well, because we didn't do what we were supposed to do as church leaders, as pastors, as we directed those that we oversaw throughout the generations. I think starting maybe as early as the 40s and 50s, potentially. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But as I look at, back at, okay, um, look at the 80s and what I experienced there in the decade that I lived in that, and then in the 90s and the decade there, as I went from being a child to being a becoming a man, in those two decades can look back and go, there was a lot that was not functioning probably at not just the level, but just in the way that it should have been functioning. What were we doing? There were, there were some great things that we had based on if we like Jesus, you need Jesus. We need to trust Jesus and what he's done for us. That seems to be a consistent thing throughout it. So that's good. But then like, how are we handling like, how are we drawing the boundaries as, okay, if you're a believer, here's the boundaries you get to play in. Here's how you hear from God. Here's how you deal with sin. Here's how you walk through church discipline done appropriately. Here's how you deal with conflict. Here's how you resolve conflict. Here's how, when you're hurt by someone, how you respond and then how they should respond. And then how we do that together. Here's how those who are in power or in leadership roles or in authority positions, how they should handle not only their bizarre, their power position, their money. What should we do with the money? Who should be giving money? Where should we be giving money to? Where should it go? What should it do once it's there? how do we know where it's going? How, like how many people should know about that? Who should be counting? Well, like all that kind of stuff. There's, I think a ton that went wrong. And inside the systems that I sat in and watched, there were things that were, things that were good. And then there was things that were really, really broke. And the four different settings I sat in all had different storylines. And when I say sat in, I mean the four different churches that I was on staff at before then, like I grew up in the same church from zero to 18. And then I moved from Amarillo and went to college and went to a couple of churches while I was in college. And then I graduated, got married, excuse me, started working at a church. And and then from then on, it was the churches I worked in for the next 15 years. I say 15 were the churches that 
that the, that where we went is where I worked. And then walking out of ministry, it was like, okay, then what do we do? And so all of, all of that to say, okay, if I keep talking about, we need to put it back together. Like, well, how, like, how do you do that? Like, what's the process? What are the steps? And as I went back and listened to that podcast or those two podcasts, that's what came up in my mind was, okay, that's great that you're saying, let's not just take it apart and throw it away and go, Hey, I'm out because I got hurt by the church. So clearly Jesus isn't real. No, I think it's the opposite, but rather, okay, what do we do now? If I am sitting in that position and I'm really struggling. Like, what did I do as I walked out of the last, I, I left the last church staff I was on. I left in August of 2015, not with the intention of never going back to be a, a professional pastor again, but left saying, Hey, like there were multiple things that were going on. I knew that I was going to leave that particular church months before. And probably in March of that year, I already knew that I was going to leave and walking through a process of figuring out what was going to be next. I was interviewing at other churches and not unknown. Like I walked in and sat down with my boss. I was like, Hey, here's where I'm interviewing. Here's who I'm talking to and what's going on. And he and I were on fine terms as it, as it pertained to fine being, <clears throat> it was back and forth. Um, I was not on good terms with the pastor. I don't know if he knew that or not. So, uh, so for months leading up to, and then we left, part of it was a work issue. Part of it was a, our daughter needed something else educationally than where she was at. And she was in elementary school at the time. And so we, it was, it was a, it was a really fast move to nutshell it when we decided finality, we are leaving. We were in Dallas. When we made that decision, I drove home. No, I flew home, uh, flew home to Austin on a Monday, walked into the office Tuesday, resigned, w packed my stuff, went home and, and saying like, do you want me here for two weeks? What do you want? And they said, no, you can go. And I don't even remember if I was there on Sunday to announce it. I, that's weird that I don't remember that, but I packed my stuff, went home, called the real estate agent. We met, signed paperwork to put the house up for sale and flying back Monday and then walking in Tuesday, that Monday to eight days later, we lived in the DFW area and our, and our daughter started school where she goes to school now. So it was like, it was super fast. And the, the intention was like, okay, we've got to get her where she needs to go. And then we'll figure out life after that. So that's what we did. And in that process, like, get, like, okay, we're here, the dust is settling, taking a breath and then going, okay, wow, there was a lot, there were a lot of things that were hurtful that went on. So how do you begin to respond to that and begin to process those things? And I, th I think probably, I won't like, I won't tell you everything that happened that was hurtful. But as we go through this, I think those things will probably come up. And so came home and yeah, that was August. So it was probably October. So there were probably two months that had passed by and we were, <clears throat> we would go to church, uh, in Dallas at watermark where I, where I had worked before we went to Austin and, you know, I mean, just showing up on Sunday as a family and then 
uh, and, and that's all we were doing. We weren't like in there. Watermark is big on what they call community. And so their small groups are a huge piece of what they do. We were not in a community. We were in Grapevine. It's 35 minutes away. The, the year that I was there, there was a Grapevine community. <clears throat> and they had all they had all moved. One of the guys that led it had gone to their Fort Worth campus. Uh, a couple of the families had moved away, and so that group dispersed, so it no longer existed. And and I don't know that there was anybody else that we were aware of. As I tried to reconnect, it was like nobody was over here. And so we just went on Sundays and began to figure out life from a pragmatic standpoint. How like where do we work? How do we pay for the school that they go to? How like where are we going to live at housewise? Uh, and how, how is that all going to work? And then I started trying to figure out, okay, what is the next step for me? And in that began to build, not build, there was already a significant amount of frustration. And then as processing through trying to figure out that frustration grew. And so for about two months, growing frustration with the actual experiences I had had with not only my direct boss, who was the executive pastor, and then my other boss, who was the lead pastor, the way that that system worked. And I was on a pastoral team. There were maybe 15 of us on a pastoral team that all said as like heads of ministries. And then our boss was the XP. And then obviously everybody's boss was the pastor. And so I would meet with those two answer to both of those individually and collectively. And as I'm going through that, on the back end, as I'm going through that, what one part, when I left, the pastor didn't speak to me. Like he didn't, he didn't meet with me. Um, he was out of town when I had resigned. I don't remember, but there was a family thing going on, I think for him or something. So it wasn't, uh, it, I don't think it was an on purpose thing. He just was gone. And so I resigned, <clears throat> didn't hear from him. Uh, he came back in town as I was, he was back on campus and in the office when I was leaving. And so driving out, like in the U-Haul driving out, we stopped, I got out of the car and walked up and he was walking in the office. I know I was in the office doing something and I was coming out and he was walking in and I stopped and we had a roughly 15 second conversation. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. Da, 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 da. Trying to keep it as anytime you're leaving in, in terms of like, man, this isn't the greatest situation. <clears throat> the wisdom that I was given was be as honoring as you can, period. It's not even, not, not even honest because on like honesty is going to lead you <clears throat> down a track when there's some significant frustration and hurt and, and anger. So I tried, I literally it was 15 seconds of, okay, this is what I can say. And so that's what I said. And I had tried to schedule a meeting and couldn't land one. And then it was about a month later when he called uh, and we were on the phone together. So it was interesting because like, if we're just dealing with that piece right there, I came in in July of 2013 and left in August of 2015. So it was a little over it was like right at 25 months, I think something like that. I can't, I don't remember the dates or anything, but it was like right around that period of time it was a little over two years. And when I got there, this is a, a bigger church. Um, if you want to say mega church, you can't have thousands of people. The, the actual attendance was significantly less than what gets published. Uh, or at the time in my experience, it was like, 
probably running about half of what is listed when they would list jobs and uh, walked in and started that position. So in typically when you take that kind of role, the student ministry is usually a, a big piece of like, here's what we do as family, like in the community that has young families, growing families, and especially that kind of community. It was in, in the West Lake area, which is a highly wealthy area in the hill country just west of Austin. It's, I mean, amazing location. The topography of the land is unbelievable. The amount of money that's there is is rather significant. The way it smells outside is ridiculously amazing. Just a really, 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 really cool location. And got there. Uh, usually in an environment like that, you would show up and they would introduce you like, hey, there's our student pastor. <clears throat> it was so crazy. I was never introduced publicly uh, to the church body. And not only that, I never stepped foot on the stage. So I went from, it, part of this is like, are you a little butthurt about this? I, definitely I was. I had been, I, had, I spoke a couple of times uh, at the porch in Dallas, which is the young adult ministry for Watermark. And during the time that I was there, I got a couple reps on stage uh, and then a couple other opportunities like do announcements and intros and things like that. Just cool opportunities. The, uh, like there's thousands of people in the crowd when you do that. And so, I mean, it wasn't like, and I'd been speaking for a, a decade at that point. And so it wasn't like I didn't, like I, was, I wasn't new um, to that. I'd had, I, I don't know how, hundreds of reps on stage in front of people, not only with students, with adults. I had led, I had started and led a adult service at another church that I worked at for, uh, for a while that I, I worked at the other church for years and was on the front end of helping launch and was the, the key speaker there. So it wasn't like I was, I wasn't new at this. This wasn't a first time thing, anything like that. And, but I literally was like, I, I never even set foot on the stage to say, welcome to, it, it, which is if you go to church, that's um, very abnormal. And especially a church of that size of that magnitude in that particular position to to never be in that spot was really really weird and uh and, and then not only that um but then to wrap that with i didn't even get a meeting with you when it was all done so it was like it was this weird <clears throat> i don't really care <laughs> front to back it didn't matter and and when when you were when you were you were leaving home, you were taking your family somewhere, you're planting somewhere to do what you think at, at that point, you'd be like, Hey, do you think God called you here? I probably would have said yes. And my idea or my theological viewpoint on calling has definitely evolved since that point. Uh, but at the same time, I would have at least give you, just given you some kind of affirmative answer to say, hey, I'm following what has been put in front of me, and what I strongly feel convicted that I am doing, and then to have the guy that you are following just not care is, now, that's not a good feeling at all. And so I would, so like, and that like we are, I'm scratching the surface right now. You're like, really, you're mad about that? If that was the only thing, it'd be like, bro, you just need to get over it. <clears throat> which we will get further down the road as we go through this. So, but at, so that's building. I get this phone call, which is continues to stir emotions of like, golly, it's been a month. Like I was gone for a month. I got a 15 second convo with you and 
the response was like, Hey, just wanted to let you get settled. I mean, it didn't take anybody a month to get settled going back home. And any like if you care about someone, that's like a normative pastoral thing. Like when something goes on, you like you make time for people that you care about. You just do. And so it was clear. It, it was very clear where I stood, which today I'm going back and go, that's fine. I'm, I'm actually, I'm good with that. If uh, that's who I am for you, that's, that's totally fine. And at peace with it at that time, I was not. So that began to build in this like, golly, are you kidding me? And on top of the 25 months of experience of being frustrated and beginning to ask the question, Jesus, are you even watching what's going on? So at this point, with everything that's taking place, I am livid pissed. And, and we're still in the middle of a lawsuit because of a tragic accident that happened at a camp. And so we're still in the middle of that. <clears throat> Not only is the church in the middle of that, but I'm still obviously a part of it because it was inside the ministry I was running at a camp I was running. And so that's still taking place. So And, and there's all this unknown. And so there's a ton of emotion, ton of, and, and it just continues to stir this like, Jesus, are you not even watching what is going on? What, what in the world? And so after a couple of months, I begin to, I listened to a message that a friend of mine did, and he was talking about dealing with conflict and what do we do to resolve conflict in a healthy way based on what the scriptures say. And we looked at Matthew 5, we looked at Matthew 7 and Matthew 18. I think if, I think I referenced those in the, the podcast on reconstruction versus deconstruction in that, but just quickly nutshell. Uh, Matthew 5, like, what's wrong with me? Matthew 7. No, that's Matthew 7. What's wrong with me? Matthew 5 is if there is something wrong with me and I've offended somebody, I'm going to go to them and apologize. And the phrase that I'm going to use is, will you please forgive me for fill in the blank? Why? Because that's a, that is a, that's acting in humility and using the phrase as a man, using a phrase to another man to say, will you, which is a question. It's not a statement will you please forgive me? That's even, even more so I'm admitting I'm wrong. I'm admitting I've been the one, or at least I'm admitting my part in whatever conflict is taking place. And I'm saying, will you please forgive me for, I'm asking for what you do not owe me. And, but I'm asking for it anyways, in order to restore relationships. So I'm recognizing my wrong and I'm asking for forgiveness to make it right. And then I'm filling in the blank for whatever it is that I've done <clears throat> that I've done. So I'm going to do that. And then on the flip side of that, when that conversation is over, when that piece of the conversation is over, I'm going to go to Matthew 18, which says, if your brother's offended, you first go to him and, and tell him and give him a chance to make it right. So I, that phrase I'm going to use is it hurt me when fill in the blank, which is also an act of humility, because I'm saying the words you like I've given, like I'm allowing you to know who has hurt and offended me that you had the power in to hurt me. And then it affected me. And that's just not a, that typically that's not a <clears throat> feeling of manliness we have. And so, but using those two phrases to simplify what Jesus has given in scripture in order to go like, and not only that, but when I say, Hey, it really hurt me when you fill in the blank, it, it, because it's a way of entering into that in humility, it's a way to alleviate some of the brashness of what I'm about to say, because I'm about to tell you, you did something wrong. And again, nobody really likes for anyone to tell them that they're wrong. Like, I, does anybody feel good when somebody's like, hey, you're wrong? No. <laughs> so we were watching Grown Ups 2 a couple of weeks ago, and 
one of the little i don't remember the names of the characters but one of the little boys his mom is quizzing him on math he's getting every flashcard wrong and she's just like yes that's right you're amazing yes and dad joins in and and it is obviously highlighting the everyone's a winner in our day and age and like what's broken with youth athletics and and just the idea of like not letting your kid fail because they don't want to get hurt kind of deal so we don't like it like our society hates it when somebody tells us we're wrong and so it's a way to alleviate some of the brashness of it and some of the heaviness but still communicate like there's I, there's something in between the two of us relationally that has to be corrected in order for us to continue to operate the way that ephesians 4 in keeping the unity of the body of the way that jesus intends for us to be humans living in the same space after the same agenda this has to be corrected and so to begin with, I started having to pray through for, I spent three weeks praying through, okay, Jesus, what is wrong with me? That is Psalms 139. David is praying. Search me and know me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any, I, I can't quote that one anymore. I'll look it up. 139. Search me and know me. Know us. Search if this is 139.23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Hey, God, what's wrong with me? I'm going to start my quiet time with Jesus. What is wrong with me? And typically, if you are a, let me rephrase this. The seasons I've lived as a highly coachable individual, there's been seasons when I'm not and seasons when I are and when I am. There have been seasons of life when I am a just a grade A a-hole. And some of those seasons were by choice. And there are other seasons where it's like, man, there is something wrong with me and I need to be coachable. And I want to allow the people around me that I look at and go, it's, it's very clear they've been with Jesus. It's clear that they know the scriptures. It's clear that their life is directed by these things and not by keeping score the way the rest of the world or our culture and society tells us we have to, but rather this other thing drives them. And there's something in that that feels like it's going to mean something forever, which is a biblical concept. When, I, when I've lived seasons like that and then said, okay, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Todd Wagner made a quote one time. Was it Wags? Yeah, here it is. It's in my journal of, I think I said this the other day, when someone criticizes you, if it's true, then change it. If it's not, then dismiss it. So in, in terms of, okay, if somebody says, hey, especially if it's in that camp of people that I look at and go, I trust that person knows the scriptures is speaking from what is true and loves me enough to say that, maybe I need to change it. We're riding in the car one time during my 10 months at watermark in the residency and i'm with jp who at the time was the young adult pastor and then teaching pastor now pastors of church in waco i'm with him and like i don't know three or four other guys maybe it was just two other guys i don't remember but we were talking about fitness and just the vanity that goes along with that and he had said and at the time like he when i interviewed one he had facebook stalked me to see like who is this guy 
when I actually met him, he's like six, eight and I'm five, seven. So walk in, meet him. And the first thing he said to me was, I really thought you were going to be bigger because one, like the pictures you had on your Instagram where there was a lot of like fitness is the wrong word. There were a lot of pictures of just us flexing me and, and the group of guys I kind of ran around with or just me. And, and then anything that I did speaking wise that he had listened to uh, my voice at times will be deeper than what a, a five, seven guy might have. And so he, from, he was like, from what he listening to you and then seeing your pictures, I really just thought you were bigger. Like I thought you were like at least six foot tall, which I was like, man, I wish that I was six foot tall and one ninety, but I am not. And so that one that was funny, that was like, holy, let me, I'm going to go sit down and pout for a moment. But then later on, he said, I feel like there's something, and he was just making a, a general statement, but still we were talking in that arena and he, and he had seen those things and he was like, um, man, I think like, I think there's something not right in that idea of here I'm flexing and then I'm posting it and I'm looking for affirmation in some form or fashion, which I like, I was growing up, I was late bloomer, really small. I was literally five foot tall and 95 pounds as a freshman in high school. And when I graduated, I was like 135 maybe. And so it just like, it, it, I, I had grown and I was like, I don't know, 165, 170 by the time I was going over there and uh, had spent the better part of my adult life, the better part of the entirety of my adult life consistently in the gym, dieting, nutrition, and fitness had become a big thing. And it, and it came from one of the pieces was, was that and fighting against that. And then at, at least there was an element of looking for affirmation in that. And he was like, man, there's something wrong with that. And so going back here to go, Hey, if someone criticizes you, if it's true, then change it. Well, that was that there was truth to that statement. It didn't feel good. I didn't like it. And at the same time, wanting to be coachable and go, okay, what is it that's wrong with me in this? Okay. I'm looking for affirmation in an area that I shouldn't be trying to find it. And especially in a way I shouldn't. And so I like, I, I went in and took those things down flip side. If it's not true, then you have to dismiss it and, and not worry about it. And so I'm to start with, I'm asking, okay, what's wrong with me? And if I, you know, if I'm living in a moment or I'm living in a season where I am coachable and I pray this, like, God search me and tell me what's wrong with me. Like, Jesus, what is it that's wrong with me? For me, that's typically, I don't even finish the sentence and I know what's wrong and what, what I need to do to walk through that process, to deal with it, to go, okay, if in order to function at the capacity that Jesus intends or desires for me to do that, or just life, I need to handle this element of either sin or what is just, just wrong that needs to be changed, which I, I guess we can call it sin. Yes, we can. What is it that in me that needs to change? And if there's something that does need to change that I need to deal with, is there somebody that's been offended by that, that I need to go and say, Hey, will you please forgive me for, and I may be telling on myself about that in order to deal with it. And so in seasons when I'm coachable, when I go back and go, what's wrong with me? Matthew seven, Matthew five, those are all oftentimes are going to go together. And then I'm going to handle that appropriately. So I spent three weeks asking that question and I got, I have nothing. I like nothing at all. And, and, and being genuine enough. So step, step one for me was recognizing I'm really frustrated, really, really frustrated. And so if I'm going to do something about that, 
I first have to ask what's wrong with me? Because oftentimes when I'm angry at either Jesus or someone else, I'm really not mad at them. I'm just mad at me. I just haven't been willing to deal with what it is. That's me. No, don't like, don't, don't lose here. Like don't jump out and be like, Hey, I'm hurt. It's the, it's definitely them. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying, Jesus says very clearly, you have to start with you. There's no other way to be able to see clearly what's wrong unless you've dealt with you first. That's Matthew seven. Like how in the world can you see the speck in your brother's eye? If you don't get the log out of yours first, he doesn't say that's none of your business. He doesn't say, don't deal with that. He doesn't say that at all. He says, just deal with your crap first so that you can clearly see what it is you're trying to deal with on the flip side, because Jesus was about restoring relationships with each other. And when something was broke, he wanted you as somebody who followed Jesus to be able to say to somebody else, Hey, this is wrong and inconsistent in your life. And it needs to be fixed. He just wanted you to deal with your crap first. And so you have to do that. So I spent three weeks doing that. And then from there felt like, okay, I have nothing left. Well, the flip side of that is I've got to have a conversation and say, hey, it hurt me when, which I wanted to do less. It is easier for me to say, will you please forgive me for than than, hey, it really hurt me when I absolutely despise that statement. Why? Because I was 95 pounds as a freshman. And then I spent the entirety of my adult life trying to prove that I was big enough and tough enough uh, and, and wasn't that guy anymore that that went through high school with the different things that happened there. And so... Yeah. So as I'm doing this, obviously, like there's stuff coming up from like when I'm eight years old, trying to deal with the emotional, something just my zoom messed up on my camera. So as I'm doing that, then I'm like, I have to have this conversation. So I schedule, schedule a couple meetings, phone meetings, have both phone meetings with both the executive pastor and the senior pastor. Neither meeting goes well. Like both are bombshell meetings. I get off the phone probably angrier than I was when I left and just did not go well. <clears throat> and, 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 then, and then you go to church on Sunday. And so it's, you've got all these hurts. You've got all these emotions. You've got all these like, Jesus, are you watching? Jesus, do you care? Some people get to like, Jesus, are you even real? And there isn't an answer. Well, what do I do with that? Like what, like, well, what now? Like you just like, so that was step one in a, okay, things aren't right. Things weren't right. And I, I lived in a situation where, okay, me as a subordinate pastoral authority figure, subordinate being there are two people above me and telling me how to do things and how we're going to do it and how we're going to lead it, who also answer to Jesus. And I look at it and I go, I don't agree with what you do, not just from a pragmatic standpoint, but I like theologically, I think we're on different sides of not the table, but maybe the world. And I, when I look at scripture and I go, that has is not consistent with this. And maybe I'm just not educated enough, or maybe I'm not smart enough, or maybe I'm reading it wrong, or maybe you just know more than me because you're 10 years older than me, or you're 25 years older than me, depending on which one we're talking about. But at the same time, this does not look or feel consistent. Not that my feelings matter all that much with what is true, but at the same time, I look at it and go, that can't be right because it doesn't match. These two don't fit. I, I'm not for your success because if because it doesn't match this so i can't stay here 
And not only that, but all the things that happened inside it to go, not only can I not follow you, and I like I, I I can't follow you. And now I'm refusing to even make an effort to follow you because of all the other crap that's happened as well. So now I'm out. And then I begin to go, okay, dust is settling. Okay, I'm just like, I'm praying through this. What do I need to own? What do I need to own? What do I need to own that I have not owned already? Did I do some things wrong in the 25 months I was there? Yeah, absolutely. Did I own those things? Yes, absolutely. I did. Uh, was I the only one that said, hey, will you please forgive me for during that time? Yes, I was, uh, in fact. And, and as somebody who you're answering to your boss, that uh, that's okay. Did I say that to people that I, did I say that to people that worked for me on my team? I did. There were times that I made mistakes with those people and tried to rectify that and handle it in a way that was like, okay, this is wrong with me. I need to do this and then apologize and then move forward and then try to not let that happen again. Like, how do you navigate that? And at the same time, I get to the end, like end of those conversations where it's like, that probably should have gone better. There probably should have been like, man, I hear what you're saying. I, you know, I didn't think of it that way or wow. I didn't know you knew that. And that was wrong. I, I actually may need to own that a little bigger and maybe tell the elders that I did that. Um, but, but rather that didn't happen. And so I had expectations of like, here's my expectations. When you tell me I'm wrong and I am, and it's clear and I see, I need to change it, then I'm going to change it. So that's the expectation I had going into that conversation. And what happened was the exact opposite. And that was not helpful in terms of it didn't make me calmer. It didn't make me ask less questions. It didn't make me feel better about things. It didn't make me feel like, wow, man, I am convinced right now that the message that Jesus gave the church in the responsibility of leading people, man, we're really doing that at a high level. No, I made me think less like, wow, we suck at this bad. And so that was step one. So step one actually was like, man, I felt like I stepped backwards in that. And at the same time in doing that and then going, it, so end of that conversation to the next time I talked to um, one of those guys was about, it was roughly four years, which is insane. That's a, that's an insane amount of time for there to be a space of, and, and, and the, and, and there was really healthy conversation uh, when that took place with one of them. And so in the interim, it's like, okay, that was step one. So what is step two? Well, I guess maybe step one was like, okay, I'm recognizing this is inconsistent. It's wrong. I have to leave. And then step two was going, I'm not just leaving and burning it, but rather what I'm going back here and I'm hurt and I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm confused and I don't get it, but I'm going to look at the scriptures and go, when I'm in that position, even though I don't feel like this is true, I look at this and I see, this is what Jesus said. So this is what I'm going to do. And then that's what I did. And it didn't work the way that I expected it to. So then what did I do? I, I was more frustrated. I was more angry. I was more hurt. I was more disappointed. And I, know, and I was more of Jesus. Are you watching? And the response was one, don't stop. And two, allowing yourself to be in the midst of that. Like being okay going like, this is hurtful and that's okay. 
this is frustrating and that's okay. This is confusing and I can be confused right now. Allowing yourself the window of a space to go, Jesus, are you watching this? And, and then to feel like, I don't feel like you are. And that's okay. Like Jesus can handle that. It's not the first time when Job was like, really? And then he was like, I'm sorry, where were you? Like Jesus can handle that question. It's not one that he can't answer or he can't take. And so being in a position or, or being okay with allowing yourself the space to at times not be okay in the middle of it all is, one, is a part of the steps, but still not stopping. Like I'm not okay. I'm frustrated. I don't like seeing what I'm having. I'm having a hard time when I go in church and it's taking there. There have been times we've gone to church places trying to go consistently to a certain like going back to a church where some crap had happened and then going, okay, like our kids like the ministry programs here. There are people that we're connected with. There are people we love here. And then going in and going, it takes me 35 minutes to get into a position where I can actually try to engage in worship with Jesus to listen to what's going to be said and then try okay, like what I'm looking at the scriptures and I'm trying to be encouraged and spurred on to go throughout the week, doing what it is that God has sat in front of us to do as believers and living as a community. But it's taking me 35 minutes to get through frustration, just being in the room right now. And the, my anxiety goes through the roof. It's like, how do you do that again? not like being okay with everything that's like allowing yourself the space to not be okay in all the areas that you are, but still not stopping in terms of the one thing that the one thing that was consistently the same throughout the entirety of the process that is still going on for the last like mess started happening for me around 30. So it's 10, 11 years of golly. Are you watching this? in terms of like, Jesus, are you seeing what's going on right now? And, and, and then going, okay, what, like, how am I supposed to respond? It, it, what's, what's wrong with me? But the, the thing that, that remained the same was I am choosing to believe that the Bible is true in what it has to say about life, about eternity, about God, about us, about our relationship with him, and then about how we're supposed to, to be humans who say we agree with what the scriptures say, and then how we're supposed to interact with each other throughout that process. So if I'm going to believe that's going to be consistently true, I'm going to keep going back there, even in seasons of time where I'm not going to church, not because, and we are right now, but uh, the, the seasons where we didn't attend somewhere with regularity, because of frustration or hurt or anxiety or just like I'm just tired of this and, that, and and being allowing yourself the freedom to do that and at the same time still coming back to go I mean there was a season of time that we did not attend church with regularity it doesn't mean we didn't talk about the scriptures and pray with our kids and sit down together as a family and and keep pointing back and and it wasn't a time where I didn't share the gospel with anybody I did quite a bit during that time and at the same time going, there's not a place that is that feels healthy in my interaction when I show up with consistency. And so I'm just not going to show up right now. And there was a season I didn't feel bad about it. And a quote, a, another guy made one time was like, do what you want until you can't anymore. And then stop doing that. There was a season of time that I didn't go and I didn't feel bad about it. 
not because I had said burn it, not because I said none of this is true, not because I said it's totally broke and it's helpless and we need to get out and we're never going back again. But it was like, it's not healthy right now. It's not healthy and there's not a spot that we can find that's healthy. And I, I'm not convicted about this. And then when it changed, that we changed that. I did it until we couldn't do it anymore. And it was like, okay, we got to stop doing that. And so we did. And we started doing what was clear. Like, well, Hebrews 10.25 said that during the entire time. Yeah. And at the same time, I didn't have a strong conviction about it. Like when I would read that, I would go back to going, and I'm having dinner with a group of friends that we did consistently who are all believers. I am actually meeting with a group of people who are believers. It may look a little bit different. It may, you know, we, I mean, we have an argument back and forth all day long, but at the same time, there was a period of time and, and you may need that and, and being okay with that. Right. And, and it's still allowing other people to speak into it. People spoke into that people pushed on it and there was healthy conversation that went on and there were ups and downs. And at the same time, there was a period of time I needed a, like there, time. Sometimes you need time. Sometimes you need space and time. I needed four years from hang up of a conversation to pick up of the next one. I needed four years to get to where I was not angry anymore. And I had been able to process through and extend forgiveness to that individual, even though I didn't have what I expected to start with, that I was like, man, I need this in order to bring restoration. There wasn't full restoration between hang up and, and pick up of phone call. But at the same time, there was is there was forgiveness extended my heart had softened the way I felt had softened about it and there were aspects of the quality aspects of that friendship were emerging in thought process and emotion and when that would come up it was no longer hurt and anger and that was time it took time to get there so that when I did pick up the phone and we did have a healthy conversation and there was restoration in that just took a long time and, and, and I don't know on the other side, if it took that long to get to where it's like, man, there are some things, I don't know. Um, but we had a really healthy conversation and what I needed the first time is what I got the last time or not the last time, but that time on the phone, but it just was a four year gap. <clears throat> and, and I did, I needed four years to get there to be like, sometimes a breath takes 48 months be okay with that that how many times have we heard is in church like following jesus is not a sprint it's a marathon why because it's from when i trust jesus through eternity that's a really long race and the race we're running right now is from moment of trusting till i die and then i'm entering eternity and peace and, and awaiting resurrection and whatever your view on the end times. I don't know what that is. I won't, we won't get into that today. The point being step one is don't quit. And one B is be okay. Taking a long breath, give yourself the space to take a long breath if you need it and begin processing through I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm choosing to believe these things are true and they don't feel that way. And then while I'm breathing, I'm saying, what is it that I needed? Like what, it, what in me is broke that needs to be dealt with 
before I'm able to begin the process of, hey, it hurt me when. And so that, that was step one for me that, that was an in and out. It wasn't like, oh, just do step one and you're good. It was a fluid thing that took for, for one relationship, it took four years to get that done. And there are, there are two other relationships. Uh, and I say that there are two other people I know that I, it, that I encountered during my time that did extremely hurtful things that neither one of those are truly resolved and, and may never be. And that's okay. There's one I can be in the room with and, and be kind of annoyed just because you can be annoyed with people. That's fine. And not really like somebody that's okay too. Um, like personality wise and the way people do things or whatever. <clears throat> I don't have grudges on that, but it's just somebody I just I genuinely just, I don't really like them. Uh, and then the other one, I don't know if I'd be a room with yet. I'm still breathing. It's year seven and I'm still going. Cause there's ongoing frustration uh, that I watch from afar with friends. It, but it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is real. And there are times that it doesn't feel like that. And at times it doesn't sometimes even look like that. But again, being reminded that there were times when Paul was like, this doesn't feel good. This hurts. Jesus, please make this stop hurting. And Jesus didn't do it. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll ask tomorrow. And that's okay. And it's okay to, to be in the painful moment and be taking a breath. And however long the breath takes, just don't quit. Step one is don't quit. If the plan, like how do you go through the process of reconstructing? Don't stop. Just keep going. And, and keep going with, okay, what's wrong with me? Got to be in a healthy spot. Me personally, I got to deal with my stuff before I can begin to do like, no, I can't. No, you got it's got to be you first. Got to be me. Got because the only thing I control is me. Control what you can control. Draw the circle around me. Jesus, what's wrong? Like everything that's in the circle that's not of you, please change that. And once that is done, help me to know how to invite other people into the circle. Why? Because you're in the circle and it's not me and my junk. And so I like step one. Reconstructing. I don't have, a, I don't I'm like, I think I landed the plane and I'm like, ah, the plane landed. Now we're all sitting here on the plane. We're on the tarmac. You guys are all waiting to unbuckle your seatbelts. We've arrived. Thank you for flying today with Stella Fellow Podcast. I know you have a lot of options when you fly, when you travel, and when you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We will do step two next week in. Reconstruction versus deconstruction. What do I do next if I'm putting it back together individually? And I think, not I think, we'll eventually get to, first I'm going to deal with like, here's my story and here's the process that I work through as I go back and it wasn't strategic. When I go back and look, hey, here's what happened to got me, to, that got me to where it's like, no, man, I in love with Jesus and desire to tell people about what he's done for us with great consistency. My family does go to church. I don't agree with everything that goes on. In fact, a lot of it, I don't agree with what goes on, but I still hold to Hebrews 10, 25 is true. Don't forsake the meeting of the body. Well, the body's broke right now. Well, it doesn't mean we throw it out. How do we help fix it? And, and then, so here's my experience to getting back to where 
re-engaging and then the the even bigger one of here are my thoughts on what needs to be changed structurally as this group of people who say we believe in Jesus in our world how should we be functioning and what are the things that should be taken apart and put back together as a church as we do it so it's going to be an ongoing conversation of this so thanks for listening hope you have a great day that was abrupt later <laughs>